Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome into another edition of the Steelers Fix podcast, a part of the Steel Curtain Network from Fans for Sports here on The Fix. We talk all things Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. My name is Jeremy Betts, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Andrew Wilbar, to break all things down. Now, Andrew, um, we were not friends this weekend, uh, but we have, I have come to grips with the fact that life must go on outside of a certain rivalry. And uh, I think that's where we need to start, though, to just clear the air, make sure we're okay after a, a rough weekend. Andrew, how you doing after UM takes care of business? I am loving this weekend. This was one of the best sports weekends <laughs> that you could possibly imagine. Michigan wins the biggest game of the year, the biggest rivalry in all of sports. The Steelers have 400 yards of total offense, in 2023, no less, with this Sheesh. same offensive pieces, the first <laughs> week without Matt Canada. And, I mean, the same week. I mean, the week yeah. has been great. Matt Canada got fired. And, you know, again, I don't glory in anybody getting fired or losing their job, but it had to happen. Sure. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. This whole week in You're the really? world of sports is like, gone perfectly. You couldn't plan it up any better. So, all that to say, I am a tired but very satisfied Andrew Wilbar today. 
Yeah, and outside of a miracle um, on Sunday Night Football, because we're we're still we're recording this while Sunday Night Football is wrapping up. Uh, it looks like the only negative is that the uh, Ravens are probably going to beat the Chargers here and maintain their a one game lead uh, in the division. So we'll see how that continues to play out. But the Steelers did set themselves up well. They are the first wild card team again with a seven and four record. Um, but you know, uh, that was definitely the highlight of the weekend for me. Saturday was not a fun day for the Betts household and my wife, especially who is the big Ohio state fan in the family. I'm kind of just like tagging along with that. I, I, I came on board with that, you know, after our relationship was forged uh, 10 years ago. Um, but as diehard as it comes nowadays with, with the, with the Buckeyes and you got us again, Andrew, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this caveat out there uh, because I, I think it's fitting. Um, uh, the, the Ohio state Buckeyes are like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Michigan Wolverines are like the Cleveland Browns in that this was Michigan Super Bowl. Um, you know, this was their college football playoff championship uh, was against Ohio state and Ohio state. We've moved beyond Michigan. We, we, we have aspirations for national championships at Ohio state. So this isn't our super bowl every year. And so that's why you guys get the jump on us is that you're playing a little bit harder. You you're playing like this, this is your super bowl because you know, championships that's not on your mind. It's just, can we beat Ohio state? That's the measuring stick of a good, uh, Michigan season. That sounds exactly like what we were saying just a few years back, the exact opposite way. It's literally the same script except the opposite way. Everyone's saying, well, Michigan doesn't prioritize the game like they need to anymore. Ohio State just wants it more. Well, now all of a sudden it's switched, and now oh, Ohio State doesn't want it as bad as Michigan does. This, this game needs to be the focal point for both. And I think it's getting to the point where the game is coming back. You had several spans of time mm -hmm. where, I mean, the games just weren't good. I mean, Michigan was not good as a program. There were a lot of issues from yep. Rich Rod era to Brady Hoke and then the beginning stages of Harbaugh here. And for the vast majority of the time, Harbaugh has been here up until recently. I, I believe Michigan has finally gotten to the point where they understand if you just take the time to plan for this game, it's going to help you prepare for other games. If you can learn how to beat the best, it's going to help you beat the rest of the teams as well. So I think I think it was just a smart it was a smart move on the side of Michigan to finally get to a point, especially the last couple of years when they have those beat Ohio drills in practice. Yeah. These are things that Ohio State was doing with Urban Meyer all the time, and I'm assuming that Ryan Day has continued. But the the million dollar question, Jeremy, we were talking about this a while back. Is Ryan Day gone? It, it sounds like Texas A&M would love to get their hands on Ryan Day. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to wait. I, my assumption is they're going to wait and see what happens with the college football playoff first, see what happens there. They're not, they definitely would not let go of him immediately. But you've got to think they would at least allow him. If, if Ohio State can get out of this situation by letting go of Ryan Day without firing him, like say a Texas A&M, just saying, hey, we really want this guy and allowing him to explore his options, that seems to be the ideal scenario for Ohio State right now who – is getting to the point where the frustration is growing with Ryan Day, not because of who he yeah. is, but his inability to beat Michigan in recent years. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's such a crazy dynamic because outside of this game, the last few years, you can't, you can't dog on Ryan Day for 
really anything as the head coach of the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. But this is the measuring stick. That's the difference in college football and the pros. I mean, um, would you be surprised, Andrew? I guess let uh, would you be surprised if Frank Reich kept his job in Carolina um, this this off season? Um, you know, rookie quarterback, really bad situation around him. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they said, okay, we'll give you another shot. I also wouldn't be surprised if he was fired, but you know, that that's a team that's going to go two and, and 15 this year in the NFL. And now you're talking about a program in Ohio state at the college football level in the big 10 who dominates the big 10 every year, except for one game these last three years. And you're talking about firing the head coach. That's crazy to me, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely on the table it absolutely is and i know this is a steelers podcast and we'll get there in a second but um there's a lot of steelers fans out there that are fans of the ohio state buckeyes and the michigan wolverines and this is a big game we got to see a lot of prospects as well andrew uh step up and play Uh, i think that running game for for michigan was again the driving force behind a victory in the second half of this ball game um you've got a good offensive line playing well. You also had an Ohio State defense who kept a wrap on things a little bit better. But I think the biggest discrepancy in um, in value to their team was JJ McCarthy versus Kyle McCord, and you could you could see the difference in their abilities. Number one, and uh, in JJ McCarthy's. Um, I think he's got an NFL arm. I really do. The ball comes out with a lot of zip. He's got some athleticism. The size is going to be a factor. But how did you see from maybe just to highlight some players from both sides here that the Steelers should keep their eye on? Would McCarthy be somebody that they could keep their eye on for maybe a second-round pick at quarterback if they were unconvinced that Kenny Pickett is the guy heading into this offseason? He could be with McCarthy. Like we'll get into him more as the draft season progresses. He has definitely matured from last year to this year. His accuracy has improved. He's still working on the touch factor, which you saw several nice passes yesterday, but a lot of his passes outside the numbers on swing passes to running backs. He still puts a little bit too much on them over the middle. Sometimes he have a line drive when it really needs to be arced a little bit more over the top. He's still learning the concept of putting touch on passes, but I think he has the tools to be an NFL quarterback as it pertains to the second round pick. He wouldn't be my ideal fit for the Steelers necessarily, but if he, he is the type of guy that's going to probably blow up the combine. If you look at all the quarterbacks in this draft and when you're looking at the need around the league, I would be shocked at this point if JJ McCarthy doesn't go first round. And like, I don't know if I would want the Steelers to go that route. Even let's say Kenny Pickett fails the entire rest of the season and the Steelers got to look for a quarterback. I really do not know if I would, if McCarthy would be my choice. It it would depend on the offensive system you have around him. He may run a four, four in the 40. I mean, he has that type of athleticism. He could run in the four fours in the 40 and he's a true dual threat quarterback at the next level. He's still a little bit raw, and you got to have the right system around him. He doesn't. He doesn't have great receivers. He has good receivers in Roman Wilson, yeah. and Cornelius Johnson, but they're not great. But I do think Jeremy, one comp I'd like to bring up before we transition to some Ohio State prospects, Blake Corum is like a yeah. faster, more talented version of Jalen Warren. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that too. It's like they, they're the same the, size. They run the same style. They run the they yeah. play the same style of football. Everything is the same about them. Warren obviously has NFL experience. Quorum is not there yet, but everything athletically, Quorum's gonna test way better than Warren did. But yeah, in the the running styles and the way they look, they're practically identical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say he's the, uh, I I guess he's the higher profile version of Jalen Warren. Yeah. He's a rich man's Jalen Warren. Yeah. And so it's weird to compare it kind of backwards like that, if you will. But, um, but yeah, you can see that. And then, I mean, Donovan Edwards still has that breakaway speed when he gets on the edge. There was one play where um, uh, JT Tumula, uh, I can't ever say it. Tumulawau. Yeah. Absolutely saved a touchdown run. Uh, by barely grabbing the shoestrings of, of Donovan Edwards because that one was going to be gone. And that guy is fast. But I think you did see some some growth out of Ohio State's defense, obviously, throughout the year, and they kept this game close um, while their offense kind of struggled a little bit. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is the real deal. Um, if uh, Let me just put it out here. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs or you're the – uh, LA Chargers, or, and you've got a quarterback, and you know you've got a quarterback that you're going to be rostering and, and starting for the next 10, 15 years if all goes well, um, then why not go out and get this guy? I mean, trade up everything you need to go up and get this guy because he just can't miss as they come, and he's leading a wide receiver room that you probably have uh, the best receiver on any team and the other two guys behind him and uh Egbuka and and Fleming those two guys are amazing as well but what do you make of this this wide receiver room for Ohio State and what they could be for the draft coming up as well could you imagine George Pickens and Marvin Harrison Jr on the outside that would be so so unfair. lethal it would be unfair i would yeah. i would love to see that happen i don't think there's any way that happens the Steelers would have to mortgage so much to go up and get him i yeah. i honestly i'm telling you right now Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be my number one player when the first big board comes out this year for FFSN, Steel Curtain Network. Yeah, He will be the Over number the one player on the board. Yeah. The, the quarterbacks, there's still questions. Everyone is talking up Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has his issues on top of the fact that he's – he's getting I say that he's kind of been a crybaby this year? <laughs> well, I, and I mean, outside of that too, he's undersized. I mean, he's got yeah. physical limitations as far as his size goes too. Yeah, he ha- like he has the arm and he has the intangibles, but I don't think that he's this can't miss prospect. I don't think there's any can't miss quarterback. The quarterback is definitely deep this year. You have some options, but that can be said about ev- just about every position in this draft. It's a really deep draft. So I I think when you're looking at going to back to Ohio State prospects specifically, I'm still intrigued by Tui Molowau. I don't know what he's going to do. Whether he returns, yeah. what's going to happen? He didn't produce like I was hoping. But the man is a freak of nature. (laughs) And when you see him, and I can't help but think that in a system that the Steelers have, they couldn't develop a guy like that behind a Watt and a Highsmith, and you have Herbig as that other rotational rusher. I mean, you just stack up the edge rusher room. I love that. Jack Sawyer's another guy. He looks the part. Um, And then you have Eichenberg, who's he's just a sound tackler. He's not going to probably test fantastic. He's not the fastest linebacker. But depending on what the Steelers do with this inside linebacker room this offseason, 
you have the right pieces around him, this guy yeah. can be the leader. He can call plays. He can be a leader of that defense. Just don't ask him to do too much in coverage, and he'll be what you need him to do. He's sound. He's consistent. Yeah. I like him overall as a prospect, just a little bit limited as it pertains to upside. Yeah, he reminds me of, of Larry Foote a lot, in my opinion, yeah. based on what yeah. uh, of what we've seen from him with the Steelers <coughs> Excuse me, in the past. And uh, what you expect from that kind of second linebacker on your team in a three, four defense where he's kind of just the leader. He's the, he's the no nonsense guy in the hole. He's going to make plays that Landon Roberts comes to mind too. It's not going to be the flashiest athlete, uh, but really could step into something like that uh, for sure. A lot of good players in that matchup. It was, a, it was a great game too. Uh, I think the best iteration of, of the Ohio state losses of recent years uh, you didn't feel like the game ever got out of hand and we had a chance down to the very last minute to uh, make a play. And then uh, you've got an interception uh, credit to that Michigan defense credit to the coaching staff there too, without your head coach on the sideline, being able to win all these games in a row <clears throat> they're for real this year. We could be talking about them in, in a national championship game here in a few weeks, honestly. It's possible. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, Andrew, let's take a quick break here. Uh, and when we come back on the Steelers Fix, we're going to dive into the topic of today's show, which is Week 12 changed our minds about what for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We will bring that to you in the second half and more. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers Fix. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. All right, welcome back to the Steelers Fix. Let's dive right into it, Andrew. We want to talk about what was changed in our minds after a Week 12 performance with Matt Canada out the door and this new system in place with Eddie Faulkner designing the offense and um, Mike Sullivan calling plays. You had the same personnel on the field, maybe a little bit healthier guys potentially this week than, than the last couple weeks. And immediate, immediate changes across the board that we've been all clamoring for. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry about my voice today. <laughs> uh, but changes we've been all clamoring for using the middle of the field, um, getting the tight ends involved, uh, being multiple with with your looks uh, and run schemes and designs, using different formations and different personnel groupings. We saw a lot of that. And it worked to the tune of 421 yards of offense in the game after Matt Canada walks out that door. Uh, and you got to be saying, oh, I saw on Twitter, can the Steelers fire Matt Canada again? I mean, that's how bad the or how big of a difference the, between the two is. And Andrew, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Matt Canada firing on our last show because it went down the morning of our show coming out. And we obviously recorded the day or two before. Um so didn't get a chance to talk about that, but now is our chance. And let's do it from this, this light where he's gone. He's out the door. What changed our minds now that we've seen this Matt Canada less offense in action? What has changed in our minds for the rest of this season? Let's go to you first. You can go player, coach, situation, um, team as a whole, whatever you want to do, go for it. I'm going to start off with a player and the guy who had a huge impact in the offensive game plan. And that was Pat Fryermuth today. Yeah. I think a lot of us forgot how good Pat Fryermuth is until we saw him today. He's back. He's fully healthy. Pat Fryermuth can be an elite playmaker in the NFL. A lot of people are like, yep. well, you know, how good can he truly be? This guy has it all. We His blocking is he's never going to be the level of, say, Darnell Washington. But for someone his size, he holds his own as a blocker. He shows effort in that area. He's always been solid there. And as a receiver, he has a natural feel for running routes over the middle of the field. He knows how to find the soft spots in zone. He's just a natural player at the tight end position. You, He's a guy that was born to be a tight end in the NFL. Yeah. And, he, and he looks like a guy that if he's shown the targets, the big reason why Muth hasn't always put up big numbers is really not because of anything he's done it's just he goes games at times without really getting any looks and I think if he gets consistent looks we're going to start looking at Pat Fryermuth as one of the best tight ends in the NFL and I think we kind of it wasn't that we never 
it never we necessarily had a changed mind about the fact of how good he could be. I think it was more we just forgot about it. But today yeah. we all kind of changed my mind about the fact that Pat Frymuth can still be elite in this offense, not in free agency on a second contract with another team. He can be elite in this offense. And I think we all kind of forgot about how good he was until today. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and that was kind of where I was going to go with one of mine here too. Um, Cause I was going to say that week 12 changed my opinion about George Pickens being the most important player on the offense. Um, I do think he is the, the best player on the offense, but whether or not he's the most important player to this team actually being successful in their game plan and how they win football games and how this defense plays, that is questionable in my opinion. Now, they need to target him more. They need to use him more as their wide receiver one. But Fryermuth really set out to me today or stood out to me today um, as a player that, that you can build an offense around. If he's going to dominate the middle of the field like that, and then you now have to as a defense, because the, the Bengals didn't see anything like that on tape all week leading up into this game. So from play one, they were probably just as surprised as we were out the yep. jump that this is, this is the guy that they're feeding in the middle of the field, <clears throat> but he was unstoppable. I mean, six of his first seven catches went for first downs, Andrew, that's insane. Uh, and then big plays up the middle of the field. And all of a sudden now defenses, they're not just stacking the outsides and, and playing single high in the middle of the field. They're not just getting comfortable out there and saying they're not going to hit the middle of the field. And so we can load the box and break out of that and, and push the boundaries. <clears throat> so you just open up another element now. So in doing so, now you can get George Pickens involved on the outside. Now you can get Deontay Johnson involved on the outside like Kenny Pickett did on Sunday. And that was it worked very well. The, the yardage was up. Obviously, you've got to be a little bit better uh, or a lot better in your execution in the red zone to score points and turn yards to points, but the trajectory changes now that you have realized Pat Fryermuth's potential in the middle of the field. So that along with Najee Harris, and Jalen Warren, absolutely taking over ball games in the run game in recent weeks. Like this running game is, is the best we've seen in, in years for the Steelers. They're better than last year too, because teams know they're going to try to do it. Right. And they're still doing it. And these are good run defense teams as well that they've been doing it against some of the last couple weeks. Um, so to me, George Pickens, uh, for all my money, I would have said George Pickens is the most important player on offense on this team. Feed him until you until he's stuffed. But I'm saying now, maybe my mind has been changed a little bit. He's still a huge piece and your best playmaker. But maybe the key cog is those guys working up the middle of the field. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Pat Frymuth, uh, Darnell Washington. We saw him get involved in the middle of the field as well. If those guys get going, Andrew, this offense changes drastically for the rest of the season. It does. And we saw Kenny Pickett playing to his strengths on Sunday. And that was what the talk was coming into this game, that you were going to let Kenny be Kenny. And it was as simple as that. Matt Canada, obviously, it, it seems so... Weird to say that he didn't have the smarts to know that a successful offense is going to be predicated upon putting your quarterback in a position that not only makes him feel comfortable, but in a position that not only that makes him feel comfortable that will lead to success. 
And the, you can have both, and it's you really have to have both to have success with your quarterback in the NFL. It was yep. just so nice to see players actually being schemed open. We were, we've were we talked about this all season. You were the first one to bring it up at the beginning of the year, how players aren't being schemed open at all in this offense. We saw that on the one where I believe it was, it was either Kelvin Austin or Deontay Johnson stayed down on that underneath cut route. Yeah, It kept, it kept the corner down, allowed for single coverage on the on the fade route to Pickens to the outside end up yep. being a 45 yard pass. It was a first scheme play. I think we've seen all year where it was specifically schemed to get George Pickens, the ball on that play. I mean, that ball that was meant to go to Pickens and it was created yep. exclusively really for him. If you see the rest of the route concepts in that route, it was, he was the targeted receiver in that route. And it was just right. so nice to see. And we saw that with Firemuth across the middle and it, there's nothing more handy for a quarterback that's struggling than to be able to have a reliable, big, bodied weapon over the middle that can come up with tough catches. And that's exactly what Pat Fryermuth is. It was so nice to see him get involved. Yeah. I don't think you got to put him in line too much. Just let him split out um, at the, at that Y spot really. Um, and let him do work like he did all game today, 120 or excuse me, Sunday. I keep saying today because that's when we're recording, but obviously not when you're going to be hearing this um, 120 yards for him. Uh, I think it was nine catches. That's a, that's a fantastic day for him and really changed this offense. All right, Andrew, what else you got? Um, what else changed your opinion in week 12? I'm going to go to the offensive line and the offensive line might be able to overcome their unique mixture of play styles. We've talked a lot about how the guards, it, it's just a, a very unique concept. They're trying to run one thing. James Daniels, is run, ran similar things in Chicago, not the exact same. And Isaac Small is a totally different animal. He just plays a man gap power running block, run blocking as it pertains to his run blocking. It's two totally different styles. He and James Daniels are polar opposites. And a, a big issue with continuity on this line had to do with those two, I think, playing in between Mason Cole, who's not really either of their styles either. He's his own yeah. animal. So you just had a bunch of these talented guys on the offensive line and we were talking about how it would take time for this offensive line to gel. We're starting to see that, but we're not just seeing them gel in general. We're seeing these two guards moving people yes. in the run game. Yes. And we've been waiting for that to happen. It's in different ways. I don't know how it's working. I don't believe the scheme is what's doing it because it was the same scheme that the Steelers had earlier in the year. It's coming down to continuity and two. I think I think you're seeing the offensive line beginning to believe in this offense now, especially today. You saw those guys right off the snap. They just seemed more alert. They seemed more yeah. quick to their blocks. And that benefits Jalen Warren specifically, but even Najee Harris. We saw Najee Harris running with a little bit more urgency today. There's yes. a, there a lot of talk, well, is he going to get benched after not talking to the media on Friday? Does he not get along with Eddie Faulkner? All that was put to silence today when both running backs got involved. Both running backs did really well today, and it was due – to a lot of running in between the A and the B gaps. And yeah. a lot of those holes were predicated on both James Daniels and Isaac Samalo coming into their own mid-season. They've done a fantastic job the past couple weeks, but specifically today in the run game, they were fantastic. And kudos to them for getting, yeah. <laughs> getting their act together and figuring out how to overcome some of these differences. So I think the biggest thing that changed my mind is that this offensive line regardless of scheme, they can overcome their unique mixture of play styles and be a successful offensive line. We're starting to see that. I think it took a big step forward on Sunday. I I agree there as well. And 
<clears throat> the one thing I was going to say about the running game that I didn't get to earlier uh, and kind of plays into what you're talking about here it was the one of our other gripes with Matt Canada was we, first off, we didn't feel the scheme was incredible, but secondly, we don't think he taught it well either. And so I think he, he's teaching his guys backwards from really what they're supposed to do. And I think you saw a different Najee Harris and it worked really well. I mean, at one point in the third quarter, Najee Harris was averaging eight yards a rush still in the third quarter of this, of this game. And uh, that that's insane for the type of runner we, we expect Najee Harris to be. He was decisive and uh, the offensive line, like you said, was just blowing, blowing holes wide open for this guy. And Jalen Warren, to me, his, his vision is what has been setting him apart recently. Um, He's able to see things when they're not there. Um, and, and make something out of nothing. Najee Harris isn't as good at, at that. Um, I think we've come to, to grips there. But when this offensive line is moving people, it don't matter, and you get Najee Harris with a head of steam, he's going to hit that pile and push it another three, four, 15 yards we saw him do in one, on one play where the whole team got going and they just were trucking up the field uh, carrying, carrying yeah. a Bengals on their backs. That was awesome to watch, and Absolutely. So let me get to my my final one here just to kind of wrap this all up. And I think one thing before I get there is is to say, Kenny Pickett starting to look a little better, right? And it's one game, but I think you saw his strengths on display. He still missed a few throws. But we were talking pre-show here that the horrid misreads of the field that we were seeing before – this game, they weren't there this time. He maybe missed a couple of those, but most of his misses in this game were, oh, I see the guy, but I just I just missed him. I, I missed George Pickens on a slant route that probably goes for 25, 30 yards. Uh, you know, he misses um, <clears throat> misses a couple over the middle of the field, a couple dirt balls when his arm gets hit because he doesn't have the arm strength to just to throw through contact. Um, those are his limitations, but the reading of the field was much better. So I think his, his stock is pointing up. I'm not ready to say my mind has changed about him because I was really on the fence with him anyway. And I still am. So I'm not going to say that I, I think he, he's definitely the guy now and that my mind has changed there. But what I do want to say, Andrew, is that if the offense puts displays like this on the board, the rest of the season against the, the competition that they will face and against an AFC that who knows who's going to come out of this AFC at this point. It's, it is a, I mean, trying to sort it out is going to be a a season long process here. You don't have any top dogs in the AFC this year. Everybody's kind of in the same pack as far as the playoff contenders. So anybody can really beat anybody. But for me, the overall ceiling of this team, if the offense continues to play like this, has improved in 2023. I think that if their offense plays like this and shows that it can confidently do so the remainder of the season, once you get to playoff time, this is a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. And before I was thinking, if the Steelers sneak into the playoffs, they're again, one and done embarrassing loss to Kansas city or, or Jacksonville or whoever the two seed ends up being, you know, I don't feel that way anymore about this team. And I, think that that has changed from my week 12 uh 
viewing of the Steelers. So this offense with that type of upside um, changes the ball game for the Steelers in an AFC that can be had in 2023. I agree with everything you said. And there's one thing I wanted to say. I'm if I for, if I don't say it correctly, forgive me. I, I I'm I kind of lost the thought, so I want to kind of come back to that. But there's something that you had said in there. And I think it points to the offensive coordinator, what the Steelers should be looking at in their next offensive coordinator. And it's not about, I don't think it has to do with finding this new modern conceptual guy who's coming up with this totally new idea on how to run an offense. That was Matt Canada. Something that really never succeeded before. I'm going to see if this works at the NFL level. I don't think the the Steelers offensive system they're going to run for the remainder of the season is sustainable for years to come because it's very, it's going to be very basic, but it's just getting back to the old simple things that, you know, works. What the Steelers need is a guy who can just modernize old concepts as opposed yeah. to coming up with new concepts that don't work. And really when you look at the Sean McVay's, the Kyle Shanahan's, it wasn't anything new they've come up with. They're just modernizing old concepts. They're not rewrite. They're not reinventing the wheel with their offense. Right. They're just making changes to it that make more sense in the modern day and the way the modern NFL is played. That's the type of offensive coordinator the Steelers need to go for. Not this guy who has all these new ideas that have never been proven on any level of football with a ton of success. I think that's the route the Steelers need to go. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just come up with some basic, someone that knows enough to how to modernize things and keep defenses guessing but for this year we'll see how far this can take us that i i'm confident that we're gonna see better play from this offense as the yep. weeks go on you're gonna see other players get involved in everything you said right there i agree with entirely yeah and i think <clears throat> the bengals are in real trouble <laughs> for the rest of the yes, season they are andrew um the browns are in trouble for the rest of the yep. season too uh that was a i mean for all intents and purposes, the Browns had no business winning against the Steelers two weeks ago. The Steelers just played they just found a way to lose that game and played worse. Yeah, absolutely. But both of those teams, to me, they're out of this picture as far as a real contender. You've had more injuries in Cleveland that are going to pop up this week that you're going to see. Uh, Miles Garrett could miss some time. Um, their quarterbacks are going to be up in, up in the air because of Dorian Thompson Robinson taking an absolute – headbanger massive shot uh in that game against denver um the ravens they did beat the chargers but they're not doing things convincingly either the steelers are for all intents and purposes a half game back of the ravens once things even out here because they have the the one and oh heads up or head-to-head matchup advantage with a chance again to play them in week 18 to to wrap up the season so the steelers Honestly, I mean, it, it makes you want to pull your hair out thinking about if they could have won two weeks ago against Cleveland, what they could be now. But if that, that happens, you probably see Matt Canada still calling this game this week. Exactly. And that is not something we want. If that was what it took, we're glad that happened. Uh, but the AFC North is well within grasp. This team has a path now and an identity now. This running game is dealing, man. For four weeks now, it has been dealing for the Steelers. And if you get a middle passing game developed off of that, which is what they did on Sunday, then you're talking about an offense that jumps from worst in the league to average, slightly above average, maybe with this running game. And that's enough to me uh, with the playmakers you have on defense to be a contender in the AFC 
and especially the AFC North. Don't write off this team yet. We still have to see more, obviously, but don't write off this team yet. Andrew, any final thoughts, anything else uh, real quick that you, you had a mind change about after this week or, or anything you want to say before we wrap up the show? I had thought about adding something about the defense in the secondary, but nothing strong enough to really change an opinion on anything. I would say about Najee Harris, I guess I'll just note that Najee Harris isn't washed. That, I, And I, I guess it wasn't necessarily that I thought he was washed, but I didn't think that he was going to go anywhere in this offense. And I, I'm, I was to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe you just release him at the end of the year, find somebody else to pair with Jalen Warren, see what else happens. I think these two can still work as a pairing. After seeing the game today, that's something that changed my mind a little bit. We saw a little bit more yeah. motivation with all the drama that came in this past week with him skipping his Friday interviews, all that. Maybe he did have a spout with Eddie Faulkner. Maybe he did have a spout with Mike Tomlin, but maybe that was a good thing with all the dysfunction that was going on in the locker room this week. I, I think it was Randy Moss had said something about how now now's the time to have that because – Right now, you have a scapegoat, and that's Matt Canada. Matt Canada can be the scapegoat for any problems in that locker room right now. Yep. And all that can be put <laughs> behind him this week because they finally put up a good offensive performance looking at it now. So yeah. I, I think that that may have been a good thing. Okay, now the whole world sees how incompetent Matt Canada was as coordinator. Now they finally have someone who can call – well, as someone who – we don't even have to worry about calling plays. Someone who knows what offense is. <laughs> yeah. The offense the can move. The Finally. talent is there, and yeah. the nation saw that on Sunday. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I will bring up a couple things on the defense. Trenton Thompson, nice pickup by the Steelers this year. Yeah, he played, he played well. well. The pick, the pick wasn't even his best play. Really, he oh, made yeah. several. He made several run stuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was all over the field. He plays fast. He tackles well. Uh, he. With Mika Fitzpatrick out, he's the best tackler in that entire secondary, um, and he's well playing really well. They've got to figure out a way to get him on the field still when Mika Fitzpatrick comes back. He's got to be a part of their plans. He's playing really well. And Bench Casey Andrew, and Neil. Yeah, yeah, do it and get this guy on the field. Uh, figure out how to play those guys. Let Mika play free safety again and let Trenton Thompson play up in the box, and, and I think you've got yourself a duo there that can grow together the rest of the season. Yep. I really do. Um, and then Joey Porter Jr. lights out. This yeah. guy is this guy is one of the best press cover corners in the league, in the league. already, and that is not a stretch. He nope. followed Jamar Chase, and if it weren't for two hit passes that Jamar Chase gets lucky to catch, this guy has like 30 yards on, on two completions. Um, and Joey Porter Jr. traveled with him most of the day. This guy is legit. Steeler Nation, and it's amazing because he's Steeler family. You know the name is there, and he's he's just balling out and playing really good. If they can figure out CB two, I mean we've got a lot to be excited about for next year. We'll get into next year when next year comes, but we've got a lot to be excited about for twenty twenty three as well. So let's wrap it up, Andrew. Uh, tell us what's coming up on the website for you on SteelCurtainNetwork dot com, and then uh, we'll say goodbye for the night. We'll be breaking this podcast down in editorial version that will be coming out on the website this week, as well as the uh, weekly AFC North news and notes. As usual, there's quite a bit to talk about at this time of year, especially in our division. So we'll have both of those. Check those both out. They usually come out midweek, usually Thursday or Friday is when those articles come out. And then obviously we're 
right around the corner with draft season. At some point in December, don't be surprised if you see Mach 1.0. So keep an eye out for that. Let's go. I'm ready for mock season already. I really yeah. am. I'm always looking ahead while enjoying the reg- the main season as well. Uh, go ahead and check out my show, the the Fantasy First podcast uh, on Fans First Sports, FFSN NFL feed on your uh, wherever you get your podcast. That show comes out every Tuesday, Thursday, where we break down waiver wire pickups and DFS looks for the upcoming week. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast. That's going to do it for us here. On the Steelers fix for Andrew Wilbar, I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>